0: beautiful souls and welcome back to Love, Sex and Magic. Today's episode is going to be great in helping you Understand men, understand the masculine, uh, and we also talk a lot about cheating, infidelity, healing old wounds from the past. So, our expert today, our guest today, is Stefanos Stefandos. He is a relational alchemist, love, and relationship coach for men and women expert on masculine and feminine dynamics. Maybe you already follow his content. He shares a lot about masculine, feminine, uh all that kind of stuff over on his instagram and he's really showing up in a big way for men uh, and really helping men do the work especially around relationships so in this conversation yeah we talk about masculinity we talk about um some of the patterns that he had to work through in order to really be a conduit for this work we talk about his relationship with christine Hassler. we talk about the differences between men and women and yeah i think you're gonna really Love this episode if this is an area that you would like to improve in your life, understanding men and the masculine better. All right, let's do it. Welcome, welcome to the podcast, Stephanos. I'm so grateful to have you here.
1: It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Mm, So you do such beautiful work. You're really leading um, such a movement around relationships, love, masculine and feminine work, and especially from... The masculine perspective, from from the men, males perspective. So, I just want to say thank you so much for your work. It's making such a huge impact and creating such a such a ripple effect. And your passion and the soul and the love for what you do really comes through on your Instagram and through all of your content. So, thank you.
1: Thank you. Appreciate that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I I first came to discover you through your wife, Christine Hassler. So Mm -hmm. I was following Christine for many years um, when I was first starting out on my journey and in this line of work. And so that's how I how I came to how you kind of came into the field when you guys got together and had such a beautiful love story. And um, yeah, it's been just amazing to watch the two of you just blossom into just this incredible conscious couple who your love just radiates through the screen and through through the internet it's it's so beautiful to feel and to see that and for people to have an example of what that looks like
1: yeah it's um it's been a journey that's for sure that's it it, you know it's not all love and light and rainbows and butterflies um however um We have definitely grown a great deal being in each other's presence and being in intimate union and sacred union relationship. And I mean, you know, not speaking for her, I want to speak for myself. It's it's been a real heart opener and 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 mind opener to be in relationship with someone that really sees me and is also willing to do that deeper work. It's also Mm. willing to explore. The challenges and the difficulty and and the pain and the fear but also really celebrate um, the goodness and the health in the relationship as well because you, you've got to have that balance because mm-hmm. um, if you if you don't then you, you just get sort of stuck in always processing and that can be too heavy and and often not healthy either so it's really been nice having that balance in this relationship and just having someone that again as really reiterate this and the importance of this in in relationships is having someone that sees you yeah. in with as little judgment as possible we're human beings we're going to have judgment it's it's natural for our mm-hmm. brain to compartmentalize and and judge our environments and the people and the things in them and ourselves and all of that but to to have someone that's able to be more responsive as opposed mm-hmm. to reactive and we both we both really come from that place as as often as we can but we're very cognizant of it at the least that's been a very empowering uh component of our relationship
0: Mm, yeah no absolutely it's i feel the exact same about the relationship that i'm in with my partner rick it's like being so seen and so accepted for all of all of who you are not trying to be not just trying to be the best part of you or the most Mm. uh palatable or the most attractive but really feeling accepted for for all of the pieces and i can't remember where i saw this it might have been on the holistic psychologists page but it said that uh, knowing your partner's trauma is a love language being like the caretaker of each other's wounds and each other's baggage and old stuff from the past is a is a powerful love language and i, I feel that's really true when you're in this kind of container and you're
1: not trying to change the other person? Yeah. Yeah. When we try and change other people, we're essentially not addressing deeper wounds within ourselves because we're trying to alleviate that pain or that discomfort or that disconnection mm. we feel within ourselves with having something or someone outside of us uh, appease that. That pain or appease that tension. And we're just constantly moving further and further away from doing our own work, right, and being more cognizant and mindful of well, who am I, who am I being, mm. and taking that responsibility, because when we don't, we're just disempowered. and we're trying to we're trying to find ways to empower ourselves and it's usually by squashing others or demeaning others, or making others wrong, or elevating ourselves in inauthentic ways. and they're traps that we can fall into in relationships. Mm, for sure.
0: Yeah, I totally resonate with that. Like, like being with someone and you kind of fall for the potential of them or you fall yep. for like the illusion of what you think that they could be if they only were to do X, Y, yeah. and Z.
1: Yeah, I've been told that before as well where where I've been, you know, unfaithful and dishonest and not shown up in integrity in a relationship. And it was a number of years ago and that, that my partner at the time said um, – you know, that was part of the separation process we were in, but my partner at the time said, you know, I fell in love with your potential. That was something that really, really hit me because it, it forced me. It didn't force me. It allowed me to look at myself and look at the how I was presenting but how I was actually being mm-hmm. and the disconnection there, the, the the masks that I was wearing as a man in that relationship. Um, and I was presenting this, this facade. I was presenting what I thought, she wanted and i also was presenting what i thought she would like Mm -hmm. and therefore would distract her from the other life that i was living or the lives that i was living right because i was just in my shadows a lot so that's that's a that's another trap we fall into as well in in relationships where we we wear masks and we forget who we are Mm -hmm. and we are not truthful in relationship and therefore that person that's in that relationship with us falls in love, or becomes attracted to, or becomes connected to, you know, begins to adore and and be close to that version of us that's not really us.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, gosh, I feel. <laughs> I've definitely done that. And I feel like everyone listening is like, oh my God, I've been there or shit. This is exactly what I'm doing right now. So I feel triggered. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people listening do. Oh God, I've totally, totally been there. So this, this relationship with you, uh, for you, this separation, was that what got you into this work? Because I'd love to hear more about some of the patterns and the stuff that you had to work through in order to be such a channel for this work and be able to help men and women in so many ways that you do now. Like what was your like dark night of the soul where you kind of really had to change, where you realized, yeah, God, I've got a lot of change. I've got to change Mm. a lot of shit, you know? Mm.
1: It didn't get me into the work. It was the catalyst though that deepened my work. So I was already Mm. in the work earlier, but I just, I was in the shallows. I wasn't playing in depth and I wasn't, I wasn't being real. I just dipped my toes in. So every time that I would get too close to trauma or pain that was unresolved and unchecked, I would pull right back and revert back to old patterns and old behaviors of pursuing freedom in unhealthy ways, uh, infidelity, um, lying, cheating, uh, dishonesty, emotional aggressiveness, and um, you know, fighting in the streets and violence and all that shit that, that young men often do when they – have unchecked rage and anger in them and disconnect and feel purposeless and so forth and a lot of that was me I was still however doing the work per se I just was not owning it within myself so that particular relationship a number of years ago was the catalyst for deepening my work and really holding a very honest mirror to my face and saying well is this the person I want to be for the rest of my life and the answer was a clear no and so I very much committed to going in all the way no matter what, you know, no matter and mm. if I end up in a mental asylum or I commit suicide and I, and I went down that path, you know, and, or or I'd get through this and I'd, I'd live through it and I'd maybe be able to help others uh, and not just specific to my circumstances but just help others that feel very disorientated in life because mm. the truth of it was that I, for the first time in my life, really chose to go deep into that dark night of the soul and actually learn from it actually grow from it actually um, reflect on it in such a way that would give me a profound uh, vision of who I needed to be and that was the that was the catalyst yeah and there were look there were a couple after that as well and there were a couple before that but that there that was the that was a turning point because she found out that I was being unfaithful and that turned that turned the mirror onto me and the shame that came from that and just the the, 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 the the propelling of discovering who I've always been and parts of me that I really was avoiding um, mm. that was that was necessary
0: mm. And you've spoken like I've seen you share a lot of great stuff around infidelity and cheating and dishonesty in relationships. What do you think is really going on when someone cheats on their partner?
1: It depends. It depends on the situation. Generally speaking, when someone is unfaithful, well, let's just go through some of the reasons why. So it could be a habit. It could be this is what I grew up with. I saw my parents. I saw my friend's parents. I, I saw TV, movies, whatever it may be, and this is the norm for me, and, and I'm okay with that. It could be because people have a fear of um, not being free, or how they yeah. perceive freedom yet they want intimacy in relationship they want the closeness and the trust of an individual but they're afraid to express that they also want multiple sex partners and one of the ways that they feel free is through multiple sex partners or some people are addicted to the dopamine and the the, the quote-unquote chase or the pursuit and the anticipatory state of what dopamine gives you some people are obsessed or addicted to the novelty um, mm. some people are compulsive liars some people feel genuinely not seen in their relationships and they want intimacy and touch and they're too scared to express that or they're too scared to break up with their partners or they just they feel stuck in the relationship so they seek it elsewhere whether it's through prostitution or um, other forms of intimate touch or infidelity itself you know like going out and um, connecting in with one night stands, casual sex, whatever it may be. So, there are many, many reasons. Some people, um, gain their sense of self-worth through multiple sex partners whether they're in or out of a relationship it's irrelevant some people mm. are addicted to orgasm or and maybe addiction is not the right word but they have a compulsion towards orgasm as a distraction or a numbing so if things are going bad in their lives they go to pleasure some people use food some people use sex some people use drugs some people use status and achievement working more Whatever it was, some people define themselves by being a parent. Whatever it may be for you, mm-hmm. so there's some of the reasons why that unfaithfulness occurs, and and ultimately it's because we don't feel we carry we don't carry enough self worth to have those deep conversations with people to just yeah. be honest and just own where we are and who we are. Some people are stuck in a paradigm of um, monogamy, but they want to explore non-monogamy but they don't know how to so they do it in unhealthy ways which is Mm. you know what's called as unethical non-monogamy as an example so there's there's many reasons why um, people cheat and why people are unfaithful and and most of the time it's not to be malicious or hurt other people and that happens too sometimes sometimes it's because Mm. you found out your partner did something to you maybe I don't know, they gambled all your life savings and you want to get them back and you have that insecurity and that reactive nature and you go have sex with other people because, you know, that's what that would hurt them. There are rare cases like that as well. Maybe they're not that rare, but there are cases like that too. But generally speaking, it's not because other people want to hurt someone. It's because they're trying to alleviate some pain within themselves or mm-hmm. they're caught in this habitual loop and they don't know how to get themselves out and they have no uh, solid foundation of how to emote and how to uh, regulate their emotions and they don't have healthy coping strategies and so mo- unfaithfulness and cheating and the perpetual act of that is generally an extension of a maladaptive coping strategy created at a very young age to deal with a certain pain point whether it be rejection or abandonment or people pleasing or not being able to speak one's truth or whatever it may be that has morphed into I'm going to cheat to make myself feel better. I'm going to be seen by other women and prove to myself that I'm worthy or whatever it may be, right? So there's, there are some of the reasons why that can mm. unravel itself in relationship.
0: Yeah, uh, thank you for that. And it's such a conversation that's filled with so much shame for people. It's such a topic that's so unspoken about because there are these kind of, you know, these sayings like once a cheater, always a cheater. There's always like an assumption that if someone cheats, then you should leave. And I've definitely, um, as a woman, felt like there's almost like this perpetual story of like, if someone cheats, you should leave. If you don't, you don't know your worth if you stay, then you're not, you're not knowing your worth. But I believe, and I've worked with different clients on this, that we can heal from infidelity, we can heal from that stuff in relationships. Um, But, you know, as long as that individual really is able to look at this stuff and able to get really honest with these really painful parts of themselves, which is so hard to look at,
1: I I agree. I I do I do believe that uh, you know that that old saying um, a leopard never changes his spots. Mm-hmm. I I don't, I don't completely agree with that. And there are some people that can't change or won't change, rather. And there are some people that truly do wish to transform um, and stop behaving in old ways and engage in a new way of being in the world. And that is very possible if people are willing to do their work and their time is right and there are many variables that feed into that, including the support they have in their lives, including their ability to be resilient and withstand – uh, pain difficulty as well that's part of the process their willingness to dissolve aspects of their ego by integrating aspects of their ego their ability to look at the trauma and to forgive and to, to feel as well and to emote in healthier ways so there are many variables that feed into that but yeah people can change and mm-hmm. uh, i believe i'm definitely living proof of that i will I, and i can say this with great certainty I will, I will never be unfaithful in my relationship if i want to be unfaithful whatever that looks like within our paradigm right within our dynamic because everyone has this di- here, here i'll give you an example of what i'm about to say I'll, I'll, I'll go back to what i'm about to say but i'll give you an example so even in a non-monogamous um a non-monogamous relationship where people have multiple sex partners and that's and that's that's dressed up in so many different ways because you, you have agreements with each other right and let's say you have agreements and let's just say one of those agreements and we're all adults here is that you can't have sex with someone else without wearing some or having some form of protection, right? And you do that as a partner, you've been unfaithful because you've gone outside of your boundaries. That's just one simple example. There are are multitude examples, right? And so what I was going to say before was that if within the, 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 the structures and the agreements of my relationship now with Christine, if I wanted to do something that was outside of those boundaries that we haven't agreed upon, we haven't spoken to, I will be speaking to her first about that. I will be having a deep conversation about it and I will be giving it much, much reflection. But in the past, I wouldn't. I would just go do what I wanted to do. Yeah. Not because I wanted to hurt my partner, but because I, was, I felt I was entitled, I was stuck in my pain and my wounding, I was in my ego, I was in a great deal of fear. And that's how I dealt with it in unconscious ways. And mm. and that's just not the person I want to be anymore because that didn't get me anywhere. That kept me when I look back at that now, it kept me in a cycle and a repetition of so much pain and so much fear. Mm. I, I was constantly chasing my tail, low self-worth, trying to make up for it in in ways that weren't authentic to me. My 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 career was burn, build, burn, build. I would make a lot of money one month or for two months, and then I would be in massive deficit for months after that. So I was such inconsistency and volatility. That is not the life I live now. And Mm. extremes don't work. But when you look at any functioning organism, it's always looking for some level of homeostasis, Mm -hmm. whether it's cultural, economic, social, biological, health-wise, whatever it may be, mental, emotional. So – When we are in extremes, we are not in a homeostatic state and we feel disorientated. And I was tired of feeling disorientated, but we can't see the forest through the trees until sometimes we have a big shock. And for where I believe where the consciousness of humanity is as a collective, the collective consciousness is, we often need a shock to wake us up, You know, that cold water on the face, that you know i hit rock bottom and now i'm being dragged against rock face and it's 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 really intense it's really painful and that's how i'm going to transform and change that's not the only way change can happen however where we are as a collective i think we're in at that level of maturity <laughs> where where we have to go through some pain and fear to say okay i'm done uncle i'm done let's i'm going to make some changes now because otherwise yeah. we just don't do it and that's most people's experience now once they've gone through that and and we go through these changes that have been very intense, these dark nights of the soul, we, we tend to, you know, God willing, we tend to become more aware. And so we don't have to push ourselves to that edge all the time and so much. That then, all of a sudden, we can have massive deep teachings and deep learning without such um, – uh, uh, the word I'm looking for is a very specific word um, – I'll use this word, it's not the word I want though, jagged contrasts, such sharp contrasts. We don't need to learn in, in such sharp contrast. Mm. That's when we start to evolve our own sense of sovereignty and self and that's when we start to evolve ourselves in intimate relationship and romantic partnership as well.
0: So good. Oh, so much, so much goodness in that. I completely agree. And then it just becomes like fine-tuning <laughs> rather than like, what the fuck is going on? Hmm. And um, I think for women listening, one a couple of things that I really wanna really wanna touch on here, because I've worked with women who have been cheated on in the past, are still with their partner, but they're still holding it against them, they're still punishing them with it years down the line, and it's ruining their sex life, it's ruining their intimacy, it's ruining their connection. So one of the things that I that is coming through so clearly from what you're sharing is is for people to realise that when someone is um, when someone is unfaithful, when someone cheats, mm. they're they're hurting themselves. Like yes. yes, the person that's being cheated on is going through pain and hurt and betrayal, of course. But actually, what that person is doing to themselves as well is so deeply painful, and there's so much yep. shame for them to carry. And after doing an act like that they are not feeling great about themselves. You know, it's a very hard, it's a very uh, painful experience for someone to go through. So um, it's hard for them as well. And I want women to hear that if they are constantly punishing someone for who they used to be, then you will kind of always see them in that image Correct. of who they used to be. And they'll never be able to evolve past that or move past that because you'll always be holding them to this, old wounded self or these old past mistakes and that is really hard to move past unless you really really are able to actually forgive and actually move on from that and actually feel into like this was really hard for them as well which can be hard to do
1: well, that, yeah, it is. That empathy and compassion is very, very difficult to often engage in. And what, what generally happens as well is that when we hold them and see them in that light of through the old, through the old lens, what generally happens is that person – in order to alleviate that or change that, either becomes resentful themselves or becomes immersed in guilt and they become subservient. And then the the polarity dynamics change as well. And no one's really being honest because everyone's trying to keep the peace, but everyone's really frustrated. Everyone's really suppressed. And so we have to make a transition into, I need to start seeing you in a new way. And so begin to notice, okay, what good are they doing? Where are they healthy? Where are they really attempting to make effort? How does that sit with me? How does that work for me? Can I let go of the past? What what do I need to do? Where am I not trusting? Where do I feel unsafe within myself and take responsibility for that work or that that approach to to healing and creating wholeness and self as opposed to projecting it onto someone else?
0: Yeah, yeah, completely. And I also loved what you shared about, you know, it's it's cheating or it's betrayal if it's outside of your personal unique relationship container boundaries yeah, boundaries. Container, yeah. So agreements, um, agreements. yeah and, and I think for so many people cheating or betrayal there's so much gray area and if we don't communicate and actually be honest about well what actually does constitute cheating for us what am I okay with what am I not okay with then you're never going to know and there's going to be these kind of gray areas where one person feels like Something bad has happened. The other person feels like that was totally fine. What are you talking
1: about? Yeah, and the reason why, well, one of the core reasons why we don't have those those conversations is because we fear rejection, or we fear abandonment. We have a fear of some sort that we're going to be judged, or ridiculed, or rejected for our thoughts. And that that was very true for me, and is very true for so many of the people that I work with on a regular basis. Uh, that fear of of not being accepted mm. for what what one is thinking or feeling or really wanting, that fear of losing that person if they say something or present something to them that they're not going to be agreeable to. And so we just repress ourselves. And That's that's the worst thing we can do because that person that's with us doesn't want that. They want all of us. They want the real version of ourselves. They don't want our potential. They want our potential to come into fruition, sure, but they want to experience that in perpetual motion, not in this, this falseness, not in this facade, that we pretend to be someone, but we actually can't live up to it. That that needs to change. Mm, yeah, but We have to do our own inner work first, or we have to be less judgmental towards ourselves before we can cease to project those, those judgments on others.
0: Mm, yes. You know, something that I hear a lot from my clients or people in my community is how can I, How can I get my man to Mm -hmm. feel safe enough to open up, to do the work, to deal with some of his trauma when, like, how can I help him do that when he doesn't want to go
1: there? Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things that are happening there. So firstly, lead with compassion and non-judgment. Really walk a mile in your partner's shoes and do that from a place of non-judgment. Empathy and compassion is really, really important. Seeing your partner for who they are is really important. If you see something in them that they can't see within themselves, which is very common in relationships, one of the reasons why we get together, then you have to learn how to enroll them. You have to learn how to enroll them in their growth or in this path. That means you're going to have to learn how to speak their language, their values languages, not your values language. That may mean helping them see the benefit of doing this work through their own eyes and their own interests and how it's going to elevate other areas of life that is important to them. You know, For example, say you're in a relationship with, with a man and – He's got children from a previous marriage and that that marriage is really – or that, that, ex, that ex-partnership, that previous partnership is really volatile and he's struggling because he can't connect with and communicate with his kids properly and he's struggling to be with his ex-wife in a way that is amicable and all of that. And you can see that, oh, if he just looks at this area of his life where he was traumatized as a young boy or this pattern that he's got of people-pleasing – I'm using some examples here – he may really free himself of this pattern and therefore have a better relationship with his ex-wife and a more connected relationship with his children. So you've got to enroll him in that. You've got, to, you've got to help him visualize the dream of, imagine having this relationship with your children. Well, I've done this work before and it's really, really helped me. And you know what? I'd also love to do this work together. It would make me and help me feel closer to you. Would that be something that you're willing to do? You know, you're not forcing something on them, but you're talking their language and you're, tell, you're talking to them from your experience. And you're doing that in such a way that acknowledges where they are and how far they've come and also what's possible for them too. So, you know, we have to get good at enrolling and we also have to get good at really not judging other people and accepting them. Can you accept your partner for where they're at and who they are? Because the moment you can do that wholly and fully is the moment you can give yourself permission to leave the relationship if that's a non-negotiable for you. If you don't feel fully connected in that relationship, but you're scared to leave, because, well, my non-negotiable is I've got to be in a partnership that wants to grow. We want to grow together. We're doing the work together. We're exploring consciousness. But you're not doing that. You feel resentful and stuck and angry, and these patterns that are coming out are really harmful. But can I just love you and see you for who you are? Because then you may say, oh, wow, I don't need to change you. And I actually really want to be in the relationship because you've got all these other attributes and this dynamic that we share that's really, really beautiful for me. Or it's, ah, I get it. I've got to leave. I'm out. And that becomes your work as someone that's going deeper into their own self-worth to give yourself permission to leave. And that comes Mm -hmm. through that radical self-acceptance, but that radical acceptance of the other as well. That doesn't mean that you become apathetic. That doesn't mean that you, resu- you you know you you move in resignation and you're you're the victim. Not at all. The acceptance is not that at all. Acceptance is choosing to release the past, to release the stories, and see the person in a new way. To to honor them for who they are being, and then once you've done that, to determine is that a match for me energetically, spiritually, emotionally, physically, etc., relationally. That's where we start. That's how, from my perspective, that's, that's so there's some of the ways that we start to really help our partners um, get on that journey with us, if, they, if that's what they also want as well, help them see that. And yeah. persistence. We've got to be consistent as well. We can't just, It's not just one and done. You know, Mozart didn't just hit a key once and then all of a sudden he's the, one of the greatest composers of all time. No, he was at it for hundreds of thousands of hours. It's persistence.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Love that. Yeah, no, that's that's I think that's really, really helpful. Now I wanna move on to something that I know that you are such an expert in and you know so much about, and that is the masculine and feminine dynamics and polarity. So I'd love to hear like from you, why is this really important work in relationships and what are some of the misconceptions that you've heard around this topic?
1: So some of the misconceptions I've heard around masculinity specifically? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Or just the masculine-feminine conversation.
1: So the miscon- some of the misconceptions are that men and women are the same. We're not. We're different. We're hormonally different. We're biologically different. Our brains are slightly different. And we're super similar as well. We're human beings. We share so many similar traits. Some other misconceptions is that masculine feminine is assigned purely to gender. It's not. Masculine feminine is just energy. It's a way of being and it's a way of being that resides within every single human being. It's not exclusive to gender. If you're male, then you're only masculine. Not at all. However, gender plays a role because it's it's part of how we've evolved. Just like culture plays a role. Yes, it's a cultural construct. Why do we... Say masculine, feminine, because it's contrast. Just as human beings generally, the way that our brains work, we learn really well through contrast. It's not about separation; it's about contrast, complementary opposites. Mm. And so, it's it's important to understand that these energetics just just a way of explaining the way we see the world. Absolutely, fundamentally, they're just human constructs. They're human expressive states. And if we if we Look at them in a, in a contrasted way, in a way of polarity. It can help us understand. Oh, I'm being a little too masculine, therefore I'm in my unhealthy masculine. Let me explore that. What does that mean? What's happening with my the, the feminine aspect of myself, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's just a way to understand the world, understand ourselves, understand relationships. It's just another lens, like the five love languages or attachment theory or um, psychodynamic theory or gestalt therapy or uh, understanding personality substructures. It's just a way to to understand the world. It's a modality, so to speak. Um, You can call it a system, but maybe, maybe not. It's a way to understand um, polarity, uh, sexual attraction, attraction dynamics. It's a way to understand human interaction. It's a way to understand shadow behavior. It's a way to understand sexuality in general, um, behavior, interaction, etc. So it's not the you know masculine feminine dynamics. It's just a way to understand self and the world and relationships. And if there's a resonance there, you maybe even relate at a deeper level with each other.
0: Mm. I love that. Yeah, I I remember seeing you share some stuff around the election about like this is a real mm-hmm. example of like the wounded masculine or the unhealthy yeah. expression of mask yeah. of the masculine in in some yeah. of the leaders that we see and um you know I've for sure felt like a lot of the systems that we live in a lot of the structures in the society has been really designed or built based on some of these unhealthy um, masculine traits and qualities. Um, Can you, like, go into that more? Can you share more about, like, what that looks like and then what the sacred masculine looks like or the healthy masculine, the divine masculine?
1: Yeah, I can. So I can speak specifically to that post that you're referring to or that article, that small article that you're referring to um, around – Uh, an unhealthy, wounded example of um, masculinity in leadership. And so it was referring to, very specifically referring to the debate, uh, the first presidential debate here in the US. um, And it was between um, uh, uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And what I witnessed was, Men not listening to each other. Men coming from ego. Men attacking and judging each other. Men not giving each other an opportunity to speak. Trying, attempting to be autocratic and oppressive, controlling. These are unhealthy expressions of of human character, for starters. And if we would, if we were to um, compartmentalize or separate that again, not to use the word separate, but if we were to um, put it into a bucket. It can be considered wounded, unhealthy, shadow-like, extreme masculine behavior. Um, You know, they were supposed to be answering questions concerning um, what's happening in society. But rather they were just trying to – they were being selfish. They were coming from a place of feeling threatened. They were Mm. self-absorbed. They were unwilling to listen. They were fearful of losing their position. Um, they were unpredictable and volatile. You couldn't trust them to get a, a serious answer. They weren't even answering the questions directly. So they're being very indirect and indecisive. They were more concerned with um, with fighting. They were more concerned with manipulation and lies and slandering the other instead of really talking about important issues. Yeah. Um, that's fear, right? Like there's no. There was. It was all about hate. And in fear and hate the stagnation, that's not growth. And so they weren't innovative in their expressions. They were displaying a posture of win at any cost, win at the expense of what earth and what people and what society really need. Um, There was outdated rhetoric that was part of the narrative. Um, They weren't really providing... Meaningful healing opportunities. They were were more concerned with pointing out each other's flaws as opposed to um, being more connected to the discussion. I mean, not that the the moderator was was great, he wasn't, but uh, you know, um, and that's just my opinion, right? It's just, what does it mean? What's my opinion? (laughs) Means about as much as anyone else's opinion. Um but from being immersed in this work for a very long time, um, you know I really I really noticed that they were displaying unhealthy, unhealthy ways of being.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what would you say is like the what is the antidote to that? what What would be like a real healthy expression of masculine energy?
1: Oh, I mean, so, well, firstly, um, the the opposite of that is <laughs> it's going to be helpful. Um, I think part of the antidote to that is to be taken through healthy rites of passage. Men need that culturally. Men need healthy rites of passage. Um, you know, we need we need to be able to practice humility. We need to. Um, In terms of masculine, not having this need to control, engaging more in contribution, being more responsible for our inner work, um, choosing to master the aspects of ourselves that we can control so we don't have to force control upon others to feel better about ourselves, Mm. being more curious and open. We are here as a humanity because our forefathers and foremothers chose to explore, particularly men, particularly men we were more responsible for extending the perimeter, for keeping our physical space safe. We need to, we need to engage in, in that more. we need to engage in our, in our shadows more as well. And that, that helps us um, move into deeper, deeper, m- uh, healthier masculine energy, healing shame. So part of that could be doing in a child work, knowing that you're not alone, not isolating yourself as a man, you know, addressing previous trauma. Um, Healing shame is really, really important, really important. Engaging in regular challenge, healthy challenge, micro challenge, such as having a routine every morning and sticking to that routine, cultivating resilience and confidence in your being. You know, carrying honor in the things that you do, in the way that you show up, you know, strengthening your mind and your body. These are all very, very important parts of cultivating healthy masculinity within self.
0: Beautiful. I love this. This is so helpful. And and as you're sharing, I can tell that, like, this is great advice for women to cultivate their healthy masculine within
1: yes um, most definitely as
0: well so if there are women listening who are single wanting to attract a partner they're doing this kind of work with themselves they're doing they're really exploring their masculine feminine dynamics or maybe there's someone listening that's like just started seeing someone and they're hitting a few walls mm-hmm. um do you have any advice of like how the,
1: how women can understand the masculine more. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not just understanding the masculine more, it's understanding another individual that comes with completely, not completely, but a, a, a new set of paradigms of how they see the world, new world views. It's also the best thing that anyone can do. And in this case, you've asked, what can a woman do? Is do her own inner work, cultivate her own sense of self-awareness, know what her own pain points are, know what her triggers are, know where she needs to improve or evolve in her life, know where where she plays the victim or the aggressor, learn more about herself and, and who she is in and out of relationship. That's very, very important in order to begin to even contemplate empathizing and doing one's best to understand the man in her life or the masculine energetic in general. Mm. And so if you know, often people come to me and say, to, so a woman will come to me and say, I want my man to be more in his feminine. What do I do? And men will come to me and say, I need to be more in my feminine. What do I do? The first question I ask is why? Why do you want that? What does that actually even mean to you? And once we start to unpack all that, I generally take them down a path of if you're a masculine man, Practice being in your healthy masculine. That will help open you up to more natural and organic, balanced expressions of inner and inner and masculine, inner feminine. So it's the same advice for the feminine. If you're a feminine woman, if you're largely in a feminine energetic, then work on cultivating healthy expressions of that. And naturally and organically, what will happen is you'll relate to the masculine within and the masculine without at a deeper level. That's powerful.
0: Love that. Love that so much. Thank you. I have a lot of ambitious women who listen to this podcast, a lot of entrepreneurs, and a kind of repeating story is that if you are a a woman who is super ambitious or successful, that it is ultimately intimidating for men because it is too masculine or... Too much, and you know, I think there's a there's a story around feminine energy being somewhat less than, somewhat weaker than. Can you speak into that and any advice that you might have for that?
1: Yeah, well, feminine energy is not weaker than masculine energy, and vice versa. But just like toxic masculinity doesn't exist without toxic femininity existing, Mm, yes. So we've got to clear that up immediately. That's very, very important. You're never too powerful. You're never too much. You're just attracting men, or if that's a pattern for you as a woman, there's a few things potentially happening there. One, you're not recognizing that you're enough and there could be some level of compensation, or you're in an energetic that is. David Data gives a great example of this, and I, I think it's a it's a relevant example. And he says, if you're in an energetic of masculinity all day, every day, irrespective of whether you're a man or a woman, that doesn't matter, right? But we'll use the woman a woman as an example. So you're 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 in business, you're doing, you're responsible a great deal, you're creating, you're goal oriented, you're objective driven. There's stages, there's steps, there's effectiveness and efficiency. You're you're not in the feminine energetic. You're not necessarily going to want to come home. Well, here's a trick, right? Part of you is, but you're in that familiar energetic. You're probably going to just continue that. So when you go home, you're going to continue being in your masculine energetic. So therefore, because we have to live in complementary opposites, you're probably in intimate partnership, you're going to attract a feminine man, so to speak. Mm -hmm. It then becomes really important that you don't have to stop being in your masculine. If you're passionate about what you do, you're service-driven, you're creating business, you're creating great wealth, all of that, if that feels good to you, you don't have to stop that. But if you're also wanting to surrender and receive a lot more, if you're wanting to be in your feminine a lot more, no matter whatever that means for you, then there has to be a contrast that you strike. And so in your intimate relationship... You have to practice receiving more, being more fluid, being more in your feminine, trusting more, sitting back, not being in control, not taking charge. Therefore, you will naturally begin to attract that more masculine man. You don't want to be competing with your partner. That's the last thing you want because men don't – you're either attracting a feminized, hyper-feminized man, so he's not going to compete with you. If you're attracting a masculine man and you can't release that, that stronghold that you have on control, and that could be your inner work, right? Then a masculine man is either going to do one of two things. He's going to move into his hyper masculine and be hyper competitive with you because he's going to say, Well, I'm not going to be out masculinized here. I'm not going to be out manned here because then he's in his unhealthy masculine. Or he's going to, if he's in his healthy masculine, he's going to just walk away. He's going to say, Look, this dynamic doesn't work for me. This isn't what I want in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so it really becomes important we look at ourselves and what changes we want to make within self first. So what do we really, really want? But you're never too much because you're, you're slaying it out in the world and you're, you're doing really well in business or whatever it is that you're doing. You don't have to tone that down unless you just don't want that. If that doesn't feel natural for you and you're a product of your society because that's how you've derived your self-worth like so many men have. And that's something for you to look at, but you can still do amazing things in the world, make great money, tremendous impact, change lives. And then outside of that, really surrender into your femininity.
0: Mm, yeah. Well, well, actually, one of the things that I'm working with clients with right now is actually bringing that feminine energy into leadership, into business and doing things in a different way. Um so that we can actually infuse our businesses with more of that beautiful, receptive, surrendered energy and actually bring that more in. So we're not hyper controlling and, um, you know, constantly obsessing over goals and data and numbers. Um, just for me personally, it's been really transformational to do that. Um, and so, yeah, there, there's not one there's not only one way to to be a leader is what I was,
1: what I want to share on that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Great. So what are you like really excited about right now in your world? What are you loving working on or, or, or just in your life? Like what's really exciting you right now?
1: Oh, honestly, so many things. So, so many things. Um, but honestly, I'm excited for just having a, a Christmas in our, in our and our home, our first home together with Christine and I, and that's really that's really nice. And um, business wise and service wise, I'm very excited about 2021, what that holds, and we're we're um, conducting live activations here in Austin. Well, I live in Austin, Texas, um, and we have a, a brand together called Love Amplified. Christine and I, so we're very very excited about that. The deeper men's work that. Um, I mean, I've been doing men's work for years, obviously, but just the 2021 iteration of that is really mm. exciting. Um, I'm excited about continuing to shift the paradigm for humanity and for self, for myself, first and foremost, right? Um, this year has been a very interesting year for me and a very amazing year, successful year on many, many fronts. Um, but it also came with some hardship as well, internal, internal hardship, just feeling restricted and, and feeling angry and big emotions and, and choosing to process those. And so... Yeah, just excited about the, the the tribe that I'm creating here in Austin as well, and excited to see my family and friends back in Australia too. Hopefully, fingers crossed in 2021. It's a little <laughs> challenging there at the moment with um, the restrictions that Australia has placed on yeah. um, on their borders, on their um, national borders. But look, that's I'm hopeful as well. That's going to shift, and so. I'm excited a lot about a lot of things. I work with amazing clients. Um, I'm excited to continue to elevate that next year as well. Christine and I have some amazing programs for couples that we're launching next year too.
0: So i love to round up our interview with a few quick questions related to love, sex, and magic. Sure. Uh, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. So uh, the first one, what is something that you love right now? Something that you're in love with?
1: Oh, so many. I'm one of those people that when you say, Give me one thing, I want to give you twelve. You give me five things, I want to give me twenty five, right? So, what about today? Like that, yeah. What is one thing that
0: you love today? <laughs>
1: um, I'm loving this this tea that I'm drinking from this uh, this uh, handmade teacup. That's what I'm you know, in the present moment. I'm loving I'm loving <laughs> that right now. Yeah.
0: Great, great. Uh, something that turns you on.
1: life in general I wake up very very excited but you know something that really um turns me on is you know Christine and I have been having a a, I wouldn't say an argument but we've just been disconnected the last 24 hours because I I missed something I, I wasn't hearing her properly and I misconstrued and misinterpreted something and it really upset her and then I got defensive and I, I couldn't see her point of view and this was you know, only for an hour or so, a couple of hours, but you know, I could see she was really, really hurt. And then just our ability to mend that and come back from that and not and not suppress ourselves or su- succumb to the others' needs, but to actually to do that in a very natural, organic, compassionate, authentic way. That that's fucking exciting for me. That's that's a that's a turn on.
0: Oh, I love that. I so so agree with you, it really is. And finally, the last time you Mm. experienced magic.
1: Just watching the sunrise this morning was really fucking epic.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Nice. Great. Well, I've loved having you on. I've really appreciated all of your wisdom. I feel like you are just this channel for so much wisdom in in all of these areas, and I'd love for people to – go and connect with you online, consume and devour all of your videos and content, where can people come and get more of you in their life?
1: Yeah, you can see me on social media at Stephanos Safandos, uh, any of my handles. And, um, you know, I've got a couple of websites, but Steph, growwithsteph, S-T-E-F, growwithstef.com And you can find me there. You can apply for coaching there. There's a heap of free stuff there. There's some of the programs that I'm doing and, yeah, engaging at the moment.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Steph. Really, really have appreciated having you on.
1: Thank you.